What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Crush Friday Interview Edition. We got Paul back in the basement, and Paul just pointed out his man bun. (laughs) You got COVID hair. I've got COVID hair. I was just telling you uh, before we started rolling that I've always kind of wanted to grow my hair a little longer, and I figured why not do it in the middle of a pandemic? So even if it looks terrible, nobody really has to see it. Well, I mean, I love uh, long hair. I just I can't tell anything with that little... uh, you know, whatever that, that little sprout on top. <laughs> so I'd like it's, to see it it's, long. It's, it's at the in-between stage. So I'll, I'll give it some time and it'll, okay. it'll fully, fully blossom. Well, don't cut it before you let me see it in its, in its full glory. Oh, I won't. Don't worry. How you doing? I'm good, man. It's good to be back. It's good to talk to you. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about Starship Troopers and Paul, I thought I would uh, start off the show doing something a little different. I posted a coming soon uh, Starship Troopers on the Movie Crush page, and I thought we'd just read through a few of these comments to get us going, if that works for you. Yeah, yeah. I actually just, I saw that right before I went on here. I saw you, a lot of a lot of comments when you posted that, which was exciting. Yeah, so uh, Philip Mosley says, amazing, you kill bugs good. Uh, <laughs> our old friend Lisa, uh, Lisa Teixeira says, oh, another movie I watched way, way too young. Uh, Mark Colbinson says, just happened to have rewatched it, and it was goddamn fantastic. Campy, over-the-top, hilarious in all the right ways, and a badass sci-fi action movie to boot. Uh, Roger Dodger says, at the age I saw it, I didn't realize it was a satire. Maybe I should give it another watch. Yes, Roger, give it another watch. (laughs) Uh, Let's do a couple more here. Um, 
David Lindquist, uh, Dave says this movie just gets better and better with age. I think that's probably agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Mike Dancy said that's the movie that made me fall in love with redheads. <laughs> is is the one lady? Is she a redhead? She looked kind of like a brunette. Was she a redhead? I guess she um, was. Dizzy. Dizzy uh, is a redhead. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't quite tell. Uh, and let me see. Our old friend uh, Gail, the danger of and Kunt says Stevie Nicks sings like a goat. I don't know what that has to do with anything. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> But people are excited about this one, Paul, and I revealed to you something that I will reveal to everyone else. Up until last night, I had never seen Starship Troopers. I know. Yeah, I was surprised. I was too. And and here's the deal. I was not... Um, in 1997, I was living in New Jersey. It was post-college for me. And I I did not... All I think I was a victim of the reviews, which were... Uh, I think it's safe to say that the most critics didn't get it uh, as a satire, yeah. and they just said, boy, this is some pretty stiff acting and kind of an over-the-top, uh, goofy sci-fi war action movie that's really sort of jingoistic and imperialistic and hits all the wrong notes. And so I heard all that, and it was kind of one of those famous movies of the late 90s that was – kind of up there with showgirls as far as like supposed to be really, really bad. So I just didn't bother, but, um, boy, dude, I love this movie. It was great. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear you say that. You know, I didn't see it until probably sometime within the past six months myself. Okay. Uh, I didn't see it. It, it when it popped up on Netflix a few months ago is when I watched it and I had kind of known about it in the same way you had uh-huh. as this poorly received at the time of release, but one of those, hey, it's actually really good movies that's been sort of rehabilitated yeah. as the years have gone by. Totally. And people have gone to bat for it. And um, in fact, when I watched it, I actually hadn't seen much Paul Verhoeven at all. But um, since then, just within the past few months, I've kind of gone on a binge of his work. So I've caught up with, you know, all the big ones, you know, Robocop, Great. Showgirls, Basic, Great. Basic Instinct, uh, and this one. And... Um, one or two more. What about Total, Total Recall? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, and I pretty much love all of them, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he is uh, hes Dutch. He is a, a screenwriter and director and producer. Uh, he grew up in Nazi-occupied um, Dutchland. <laughs> mm, Netherlands, Holland, I think. Yeah, yeah, in Holland. I was just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's a country of many names, but Dutch Dutchland yep. isn't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and you see a lot of that thread and the impact, I think, of growing up in a Nazi occupied country sort of sprinkled throughout certainly works like this and RoboCop. Um, I haven't seen Showgirls, actually. I should check that out because mm. dude has a way of going over the top. I've always loved Total Recall um, and RoboCop yeah. is excellent. But RoboCop, Total Recall and then Starship Troopers kind of finishes out what's known as his kind of dystopian sci-fi satire trilogy. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's interesting, too, how um, I was reading some of the contemporary reviews of some of these movies and how RoboCop was pretty well-received when it came out, and mm-hmm. people got it. People got the satire yeah. pretty easily, critics especially, whereas Starship Troopers, they didn't really get it. Or some of them, like even like Roger Ebert did say, did point out that there were satirical elements in it, but it just didn't really click with people, right. with critics, especially the the what the movie was doing right off the bat. Yeah. Um, 
I wonder how frustrated he has been in his career to make something like this and uh, have it be kind of not understood at the time. But then maybe it's good later on because it's a cult classic and everyone gets it now. Yeah, he's. I've I recently just watched you know a couple interviews with him. He seems like a very good humored guy. Yeah, that doesn't seem too bothered by it. For example, um, Showgirls was trashed by everybody when it came out yeah. and in fact it got it got nominated and and won i think for the the razzies you know the the worst movie awards sure and paul verhoven actually showed up to accept the award and like nobody no director had ever actually showed up to the razzies to accept the award for best or worst movie that's pretty and i think great. that just goes that goes to show how he's he's very good natured and has a sense of humor about it yeah well he's dutch they're great but but yeah i agree but i think we shouldn't sell him short because he is a fantastic filmmaker and he's very, he's doing a lot of things very consciously. It's not just like, it's not like Tommy Wiseau making the room where it's like (laughs) so bad. It's good. Like he's, he's making very conscious choices in his films, especially with Starship Troopers. Yeah. um, It's a movie that was made in 1997 and it somehow manages to look like it was made in 1984 at times and uh, 2007 at times, like the visual effects and the, and the bugs, that stuff looks really good and it holds up pretty well, I think. Um, But all the rest of the stuff, all the practical, uh, the sets and the, the, the school and that football game. And (laughs) it all looks like early eighties. And that may have been, I mean, I imagine it was intentional. Um, I don't think he accidentally made a movie that looked like it was, it was from 1984, <laughs> but it, it, it's weird watching it last night. Cause half the time I was watching all that stuff, I was going, I can't believe the matrix came out two years later and like <laughs> Starship Troopers looks like uh teen wolf in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's, that's obviously intentional. And I think it's, it's playing into the, uh, the sort of bright, shiny aesthetic of, uh, this this universe he's created i should say partially created because the movie is based on a robert heinlein novel from 1959 Mm -hmm. um which we we should mention and also uh you know before uh, we can dive into it now a little bit i guess but the not you know it's probably heinlein's one of his most famous novels i have not read it i haven't but um from what i understand it's a uh more straightforward take like uh, Apparently, it, a lot of what happens in the movie is the same as what happens in the book, but it's mm. played more straight. Right. And many have actually accused the novel of being jingoistic, pro-military, mm-hmm. you know, fascist, uh, pro-fascism in some ways. And I've I've got a lot of, in my notes here, I've got a lot of great quotes, and I'll just give you one here um, about Verhoeven um, on adapting it, which it was written by Edward, the, the screenplay was written by Edward Neumeyer, who also wrote Robocop. Uh-huh. And um, Paul Verhoeven, when asked about reading the book, he says, I stopped after two chapters because it was so boring. It is really quite a bad book. I asked Ed (laughs) Neumeyer to tell me the story because I just couldn't read the thing. It's a very right wing book. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's not what he was doing here at all. Uh, This is a a skewering of the military industrial complex and um, kind of everything that we are seeing now more than ever in the United States. imperialism, colonialism, uh, like you said, certainly jingoism, uh, and and all through the lens of these kids who are 
just so gung ho to go become, uh, I think what they call them citizens in this movie, right? Which is very interesting. Yeah. The difference between a civilian and a citizen uh, is that, well, to become a citizen, you have to uh, do military service and only then are you allowed to vote. Yeah. <laughs> so violence and the war machine is very tied up with um, one's recognition in the body politic as a contributing member to society. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised this was so lost on critics back then uh, that they took it at such face value. It's kind of disappointing. Uh, because it is a fun movie. It is very funny. I was laughing a yeah. lot. Uh, and it really just moves. Like, it, it was exciting and fun. It was, um, like, all, all the battle scenes are just so rudimentary and over the top. Like, there's never any uh, strategy. It, it's just literally people lined up eight inches from each other with machine guns. Occasionally, they'll use one of those little mini nukes. But it's really just about shooting machine guns as much as they can with a seemingly endless supply of ammunition at these things. Yeah, it's the movie's kind of it has sort of a bifurcated structure where it's kind of split into two halves. The first half being, you know, training boot camp and all that. And then once the war begins, that kind of takes up the second half of the movie. It's full metal jacket. And <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's a really good point. It is. Yeah. Um, and uh I, for me, the first half is is much more f like out like laugh out loud funny. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but the second half it, it kind of just grinds you. It kind of grinds away at you as a viewer, which is like you know shooting after shooting after shooting, just taking out bug after bug after bug till it kind of numbs you to the violence, which I think is very intentional. Totally, and uh, like I said, like the lack of strategy, like I was kind of laughing last night. I was like, there hasn't been one conversation about strategy and military strategy and maneuvers. It's just mow down everything. And then it hit me. I was like, well, yeah, of course, that's all a part of this subversive satire that he's saying is, is that war is dumb and it is as dumb as sending hundreds of kids with machine guns to fire millions of rounds at thousands of bugs. <laughs> it's really great. Like what a fun concept. Yeah. And, um, I was actually, I was watching an interview with Verhoeven last night preparing for this. And, uh, one of the questions was when did, uh, when did the consensus on the movie start to change? When did people start viewing it, begin to view it in a more positive light? Oh, interesting. And he said, uh, his answer was really after 9-11 and I, not immediately after 9-11, but post 9-11, post the Iraq war. Uh, kind of on the, from the 2000s onward. And I think that's because it became so much more blatant of what the film was doing where you can kind of see it mirrored yeah. in real life where we're going to war with this enemy. We have to destroy them at all costs to get revenge for the attack they they, they perpetrated against us. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I do, it does kind of baffle me how this was all lost on critics in 97. But then I think back to 97 and it was... Uh, Bill Clinton was president. We were yeah. a few years removed from the Gulf War. Right. It, you know, things were rel going relatively well for the country. I think nobody thought something like 9-11 could happen. Yeah. And I think maybe when the movie came out, people were kind of like, this doesn't seem to reflect, mm -hmm. you know, anything about how the world is today. Yeah. I mean, those were the, that was the internet boom. Uh, everyone's bank account was full and flush. And uh, I mean, we weren't because we were children, but or you were certainly a child, but I was a young adult. Yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, but yeah, those were like the boom times in the early internet days uh, where everything was kind of going great for a little while. And I could see how this didn't really, um, I can see how it didn't not only not reflect, but just people didn't get it. Like I understand it now a little bit, but I, I would think critics yeah. would have been a little sharper. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's always hard to tell. And, and Verhoeven, you know, has, has had that streak about him where he does things that in my opinion, he takes very bold leaps as a filmmaker. And I think one of them with Starship Troopers, especially is the acting style. He, <laughs> he employ or all the actors employ which is i don't want to say it's like ba- intentionally i mean it's bad but it's not i don't know it walks that line between just like teen soap opera uh-huh. like e- all the emotions are or everyone's speaking with high, heightened emotions and yet they all kind of speak them in this just very dead-eyed yeah delivery you know and most of those main actors had appeared on like shows like Ni- beverly hills 90210 yeah uh, prior to this yeah, I mean, this leads me to a good point because I wanted to talk about the cast and the casting and the acting. Uh, Macaulay Culkin, I don't know if you read his his spiel on this. He is a, a big, big fan of Starship Troopers and a mm. big champion of it. And he says this, I think a lot of audiences at first didn't know they were watching a political satire because the actors themselves didn't know they were in a satire. I liked Verhoeven's philosophy going into this whole thing. It feels like he just hired some soap actors and didn't really tell them that there was going to be a comedic tone. You can't really ask actors to act bad. You just hire bad actors and just don't say anything. <laughs> and I think that might've been the thing. And he la- he went on later in the article to say that I think Neil Patrick Harrison might've been the only one that was, sort of had a clue what was going on. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sell the actors short because while that is true, like the effect it creates is brilliant in my opinion. Like the movie yeah. wouldn't work without these quote unquote bad performances. You uh-huh. know? <laughs> um, but seeing that, you know, as a, as a viewer, it's really hard to know how to take something yeah. like that when you're going into something cold, you know, totally like, dude. wait, is this, is this filmmaker just really incompetent? Does he not realize what he's doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm giving the critics a hard time, but I'm trying to imagine in 1997 walking into this movie, seeing Denise Richards uh, acting like she acts. God bless her. <laughs> bless her little heart. And Casper Van Dien, bless his heart. And then leaving the movie theater going, what a subversive war satire. How smart of a movie was that? I I wouldn't have bought it either, you know. I, I would or not. I wouldn't have gotten it. I'll admit that. Yeah. So so you know we'll we'll go. Well, yeah, we'll try to ease up on the critics <laughs> the, from that time because yeah, it, it it was a different time. We'll say that. <laughs> You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. 
the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Um, one of the things I loved was the same thing Robocop did, was, which was these uh, very campy uh, fake commercials. Um, in this case, selling, you know, selling the military. And I mean, that right out of the gate, it's it seems now just so obvious that this is a movie not to be taken seriously. Like you can't be much more obvious than those opening commercials like military or Federation recruitment commercials. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, at the very beginning, it shows um, everyone saying, I'm doing my part. And then you see like the 12 year old kid, Uh I'm doing my part. And then everybody (laughs) laughs like very like, you know, scripted laugh. Yeah. And I want to talk about that, that opening commercial, because I, I don't know if you saw this, but basically that's a shot for shot parody slash homage to the Nazi film Triumph of the Will, directed by Lenny Riefenstahl. Yeah, I heard it was very much uh, kind of directly ripped off. <laughs> yeah, and I, there's a there's a YouTube video where somebody kind of plays them side by side. Oh, cool. Um, and, and you can kind of see like the shot choices are all the same, the close-ups of the, the faces, and then the flag waving. It kind of, it's almost, almost a one-to-one match. And wow. I think that's, you know... Verhoeven, you know, says it was obviously intentional um, as kind of a a nod to f- uh, fascist imagery and propaganda. Uh, another thing I really loved was, uh, and I thought it worked, worked really well for this, was the high school angle. Um, instead of making it, you know, college grads or people that were in their early 20s and sort of uh, like there was really something about the 90210 Archie Comics high school thing in that, that first hour that really, really worked for me. I thought it was so kind of corny and sweet. And that football game was just amazing. <laughs> it's one of my yeah. favorite parts. I, it's so funny when you, you know, I watched the movie a couple times now. And when you think about the, what, how football is depicted in this futuristic society where it's played <laughs> indoors, which, you know, arena football does that already. Yeah. But they play on like a hard, a very hard, like it's vinyl surface or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a court. Yeah. And they don't wear face masks. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like, it seems like less safe and more sort of like brutal. Right. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, you and I are both fo- pretty big football fans, right? Yeah. 
but I will say that like, if there's one sport that probably would thrive in a society like this, it's this sort of, uh, it's, it's the one sport where it's just about like, you know, hitting each other as hard as you can. It sort of fosters that animalistic, um, you know, got to, got to win at all costs instinct, I think. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the flips and the, and the, the <laughs> gymnastic moves, which come back later on during the war scenes, the battle scenes, mm-hmm. uh, that the, the great, uh, what's his name? Uh, Paul or, uh, something Muldoon as the, the other future pilot who was, you know, the uh, nim- Zand- I think his name is Xander in the, yeah, I mean, as the nemesis, the guy Denise Richards, yeah, for Rico, <laughs> and Denise yeah. Richards is like, she goes up to Rico at one point. She's like, "Are you jealous?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, you're eye fucking this guy right in front of him, like constantly. Like, of course he's jealous." Yeah, it's it's great, and obviously that 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 antagonism between those two is is carried on throughout the movie. Yeah, but uh, it's pretty great. Yeah, it's. It's really interesting the high school stuff. To me that's like the the most fun aspect of the movie and the the most the the funniest for me. Uh and I think what's interesting about it is that I think there's there's a very strong thematic link you can make between the the overt sort of militaristic fascist imagery of the second half uh-huh. and the first half where it it's sort of about how we like to see young, attractive people in movies, in TV. Yeah. And it's, we want to root for them because they're young and attractive. And so you find yourself, even though you know on a conscious level what the movie is doing, you can't help, but especially as the movie goes on to like, want them to succeed and want them to win, uh-huh. even though what they're fighting for and the, the ideology they're embodying is, is a really nasty one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone is so ridiculously good looking in this movie. Um, you know, he casts sort of these perfect looking people to play. Uh, I mean, regardless of what you think about their acting, like they don't, like Denise, you never believe for a second that Denise Richards, can or is flying those ships or that Casper Van Dien for someone who looks very athletic and has that body, he's very kind of clunky looking when he moves. Um, Mm -hmm. and kind of everyone, I mean, no one, no one felt like a badass in this movie. Uh, and I think that's gotta be purposeful, you know? Yeah. And, and also, uh, you know, again, to tie it to the sort of Nazi imagery, um, I think Verhoeven was quoted as saying something along the lines of not just the triumph of the will reference, but having them all be sort of the, to put it bluntly, like the perfect area, the embodiment of like the Aryan perfection of the body, you know, uh, where they're all, um, they're all just like chiseled, handsome, beautiful, gorgeous people, you know, Uh it's, it's, it's very, I would say pretty ingenious on his part. Yeah. And it's also a military that is completely integrated um, along uh, racial lines and gender lines. And, you know, that the very funny scene with the group shower where yeah. it's uh, they're all just in there naked together and that no one's making a big deal about it. It's uh, it's it's interesting. I've never seen anything like that. You know? Yeah. That scene is very interesting. And on one hand, you can kind of watch it and view it as like, this is really progressive, you know, it's like men and women 
are naked together and sort of seeing themselves, everyone's on an equal playing field, you know, right. there's no sexism, there's no misogyny. Yeah. And yet, um, Verhoeven himself actually, um, I, I've, I wrote down another quote here about this, the shower scene where he says, the idea I wanted to express was that these so-called advanced people are without libido. Here they are talking about war and their careers and not looking at each other at all. Yeah. It is sublimated because they are fascists. So it's like the natural like uh, instinct to be attracted to other people is sort of squashed down in the name of like all supporting the nation and the state, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, it's it's so important to them. It's a literal boner killer, <laughs> you know? And it is like most military movies, whenever uh, you see – um there's a lot of misogyny and I think in a lot of, a lot of war films and military films. Um, and this movie is, is, does not have that. I'll give it credit, you know? Yeah. Everyone, it's like everyone equality is taken to like the most nth degree of extremism, you know? And, uh, I gotta, I gotta mention one anecdote here, which maybe you, you read about, but, um, on when they actually filmed that nude scene, uh, Verhoeven said that, um, one cast member said they would only get naked if we did, meaning Verhoeven himself. I'm sure he was like, yeah. <laughs> and he said, I have no problem with taking my clothes off. So not. he did. They, so he filmed it in the nude. He said, quote, it is strange, but of course, Americans get more upset about nudity than ultraviolence. Yeah. I'm constantly amazed about that. I mean, I haven't seen any sex scenes in American film that are anything other than completely boring. A bare breast is more difficult to get through the sensors than a body riddled with bullets. Yeah. I mean, there you have it. Uh, very European sensibility for sure. And, um, you know, I remember you and you and Josh a long time ago did a stuff you should know about the MPAA, right? Uh -huh. I remember listening to that and how it's, it's kind of a, it's messed up the way films are rated. Yeah. Um, it's a very sort of, I don't know, corrupt system, but yeah, it's, it's essentially, you can make movies almost as violent as you want and there's a good chance you'll get a PG 13, but as soon as you show nudity or se graphic sex or female pleasure, in sexual situations, it's like R, NC-17, no questions asked. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and Verhoeven is from a, a much different uh, mindset. You know, it's just Europeans are way less hung up on that stuff. Um, yeah. One of the lines that I liked, and th there's a lot of like very corny, funny lines, but there's also some really good lines that I think in a quote unquote better movie would have been, had a lot more impact. And one of them is, is near the beginning when, uh, uh, Rico is trying to figure out what he wants to do. And he goes to his teacher who later ends up being, you know, back in the war effort. Uh, he says, figuring, figuring yourself out is the only freedom any of us really have. And that's like a really great line that is just sort of lost uh, a little bit in the circumstances of this kind of campy movie, I think. Good line though. It is a good line. Yeah. It's, and it's weird how it's used in the context of this movie, because like you said, in another movie, that would be kind of a really empowering line. Uh -huh. um, but of course, in Starship Troopers, um, he ends up, uh, Johnny Rico ends up enlisting just because his, he wants to follow his girlfriend there. Yeah. And he ends up not really making that many choices on his own. Um, someone else pointed out how when he finally hooks up with Dizzy, mm -hmm. it's only after um, his teacher again gives him advice where it's like, don't pass up a good thing. Right. And it's like up until that point, he's not really attracted to her until he gets like permission from, from his commander to do it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then that extra 20 minutes that he's granted <laughs> in the sack. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, 
the great, great uh, Clancy Brown is in this movie. Just one of the all time great character actors from Highlander and Shawshank Redemption. Um, one of the great bad guys. And here he gets to play the very tropey, um, tried and true drill sergeant. Uh, but in this case, the drill sergeant doesn't just uh, emotionally humiliate people, but he gives them compound fractures and knives through the hand. It's so <laughs> great and over the top. I just loved it. Yeah, it's over the top. And, um, you know, obviously you get the sense that like whenever century this is taking place in, like it's a lot easier to heal uh, probably a, a fractured wrist. Yeah. Then, you know, it's not going to. And even when you see Johnny Rico get stabbed by the bugs through the leg you know he gets healed it's like three days right yeah pretty much completely so but even still yeah it's like it's like you said it's it's boot camp taken to like the extreme of the Uh extremes you know (laughs) yeah all that laser tag stuff was so corny and looked so 1983 uh yeah i loved all that stuff i mean those sets were all kind of hokey looking but like i said that's contrasted against like when the shit actually goes down uh, and the and the CGI comes in. I thought it was maybe it had even more impact because it could have been, you know, very corny stop motiony Jason and the Argonaut style if he was trying to go that direction. But I think I think he did the right thing by kind of having both worlds in there. Yeah, and and you, like you mentioned at the top, um, the CGI holds up. It looks. I would argue, argue that a lot of it looks better than some of the stuff you see now. It sort of like reminds me of. The way a lot of the CGI in Jurassic Park still holds up. Yeah. Or maybe in Terminator 2, like they, they use the budget for that really well. And I think it was it was state of the art then and it's it still works. Oh, totally. I mean, when uh, when the when it's really going down there at the end, they are so outnumbered. Like it's it's a fun, campy movie, but I found myself really on edge watching those scenes and just how outnumbered they were. I mean, they were totally screwed and um, their, their strategy of just firing bullets at them was not working. Uh, they were on the run, you know? Yeah. And that opening, the, the first time they attack the, I think it's the, the main planet of the first attack. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like D-Day. It's, it's sort of like the opening for Saving Private Ryan, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Where it's, which is funny because this actually came out a year, I think, before Saving Private Ryan. But, you know, they're all strapped in in their ships and it's like the ships are shaking, you know, and they land and it's like they open up the gate and it's just like littered with bugs. And it's just a disaster. Like they they barely make any progress before they have to order a general retreat. And it's like hundreds of thousands of lives lost. And then you cut to the news report and the, the general of the Federation or whatever resigns in yeah. shame. And then they employ, they, you know, they, they, uh, promote somebody else who's like, we have to learn how they think and then we can kill them. Yeah. It's interesting. And, and I know this is of course, part of the whole purposefulness of the mindless of war, but the, not only was there no strategy, but there was never any, there was never any backstory really, even about why this was all happening, what the bugs were, what they wanted. Um, they were just was there i mean weren't they just sort of there so, or, or was it because the, they were colonizing other planets humans were that's right yeah there's like a few throwaway lines that mention kind of the origins of the conflict where it's basically yeah humans are colonizing further out into this into the gal- into the solar system uh-huh. and eventually they encroach upon uh worlds that belong to the arachnids presumably okay. 
And that's when the arachnids start fighting back. And there's there's a really great line where it's during one of the news reports where um, it's after Buenos Aires has been attacked. And there's that news guy on the ship right before they're about to like set out for their first battle. And he says, you know, some have questioned the the idea that we should retaliate because, you know, some have said we uh, the bugs attack was they're retaliating for us encroaching on their worlds. Right. And maybe a live and let live policy is better. And then Rico yeah. kind of jumps into frame and he's like, I was I'm from Buenos Aires and I say kill them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty obvious. <laughs> In all the right ways. And yeah. And it's, it's sort of this notion that reminds me of sort of that post 9-11 mindset where it's like you immediately demonize the enemy. You have to demonize the enemy to right. justify in your mind the idea of destroying them all. Because in this movie, you know, whenever they talk about attacking the bugs, it's never like we're defending ourselves or we just uh-huh. want to restore peace. It's all about the only good be- bug is a dead bug. Uh, we have to kill them all. And, and that general of the fleet or whatever even says, like, you know, humans, uh, we must meet this threat to ensure that humans, not insects, dominate the galaxy. So it's not just about defending themselves. It's about destroying, annihilating the other, you know? Yeah. And and just imagine this movie with the word Muslim swapped in mm-hmm. for the word bug every time they say it. And there's there's your message right there, you know? <laughs> And I think, you know, the fact that it is, they're really like ugly bugs is a really smart move because it makes it so easy for the viewer to kind of get on the movie side where it's like, oh yeah, they're ugly. They're gross. They're, they're scary. I do want them to be destroyed. And I think that's the, the movie's sort of genius in that it, it subtly works its way on uh, over the viewer where you kind of find yourself rooting for, for these people, even though they're ostensibly fascist, you know? Yeah, um, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I also thought it was interesting in their use of the little mini nuke. I don't know if they didn't have a a lot of those or they seem to be so strategically employed or maybe just seldomly employed or deployed that it's um, it made me think they didn't have many of them. Otherwise, why didn't they just keep using those over and over? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if it's if it's a. Yeah, supply issue, or maybe they seem to be like pretty. Maybe there's just a lot of danger in using them. Yeah, that's true. They're nukes, so there probably could easily be a lot of collateral damage. Because they had to get the hell out so, of there every time they used one. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty funny though. Uh, we also got Hank from Breaking Bad, by the way. I don't know if you noticed him. Wait, I've not seen Breaking Bad. Which one's Hank? Okay, he was the uh, sort of one of the higher ups. Um, bald guy higher up above Clancy Brown's character. Oh yeah, yeah. I just Google him. Yeah, he's he's at boot camp. He's kind of yeah, Clancy Brown's boss, sort of. Yeah, the next guy up the chain. Yeah, yeah. his boss. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorite parts too, as far as just terrible goodness, is uh, the, the the sort of the party scene when uh, when the commanding officer is like, you know, here's here's the beer and here's the entertainment. And Jake Busey picks up that electric fiddle and starts playing Dixie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not lost on me what he's playing there. It but, was uh, so weird and out of left field. It's like, well, I guess he can play the violin and I guess they're all going to dance a, a jig to Dixie. Yeah, and and the way he's, uh, the leader says, you know, I expect the best and I give the best. Right. And he opens up and it's the keg and then he's like, have fun. That's an order. Right. Here's a soccer ball, a football and a green fiddle. 
You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Oh, man, it was so good. Because, I mean, all of these things are sort of military war movie tropes, too. Like, the whole movie is set up like that from the beginning with the the, the hometown boy going off to war and the, the friends getting split up into different uh, uh, platoons or whatever. And then, of course, you know, they're going to come back together at some point during the war. Like this is all of this stuff is right at, or the 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 party scene where you take a little break from the war and have a little R and R. It's all right out of the the military movie trope handbook, um, which I think is a it was a smart thing to to make it something that was comfortable and known to a movie viewer. I agree. I think, uh, and I think this movie it moves really well. Like it uses all of those established sort of military movie cliches but like you're never bored like you you always feel like you're in the hands of a confident director who knows where this movie's going yeah and even though you know these tropes you can't kind of can't help but get sucked into them because they're done really well (laughs) i think you know the battles do kind of like you said put you on the edge of your seat while you're watching them yeah and you know you're going to get to see some great kills um I love the use of gore in this movie, ripping people in half, stabbing them through the head, slicing heads off. Like it it couldn't have gone any other way. You know, if you're going to do this movie this way, it had to go to 11 with the gore and the violence. And um, it's, it's a lot of fun to see like the, the one guy that you just know he's going to get it, you know, that's 
all he does is peel away from the infantry just for a moment. Come get some, come get some. And you're like, oh boy, it's coming. Here it comes. <laughs> yep. yep. You're just waiting to see how it happens. And yeah, he gets, he's the one that gets like torn up by like a, a dozen of them, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, then but, the uh, guy that gets picked up and carried away too by the flying bugs. Oh yeah. That was all, that was fun too. Yeah. And that's, that sort of excessive violence, excessive gore and excessive nudity too is, is kind of Verhoeven's MO. Um, what he's known yeah. for, he kind of, he kind of loves to play in this sort of sleazy uh-huh. milieu, <laughs> but he's, he's always, he's always doing it for a reason. He's always yeah. doing it for a reason. No, totally. He's not just a, a purveyor of, of violence and smut. Um, I think, I think it always has an edge and a satiric edge to it. Uh, even movie, even a movie like, of course, Basic Instinct. Um, I wish he was still making these kind of movies. I miss it. Yeah. What's he, uh, his, his last deal? movie was called, his last movie was two, three or four years ago. It was called L E L L E with, um, Isabel Huppert. Okay. Uh, he made it in Europe. Um, it's really good. And then he's got another one that was supposed to come out this year, but I think it got pushed back because of the pandemic. But, um, it's about a nun. Uh, it's like, it takes place in like the 16th or 17th century maybe. And it's about a nun at a convent who, uh, has some sort of sexual awakening or something, something. So it's, it's another, it's another movie that's probably in his, yeah, sexy (laughs) nun, something in his wheelhouse with probably, uh, you know, interesting explorations of sex, sexuality and probably lots of nudity. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the ending, the last sort of 10 or 15 minutes of this movie, when they introduce the concept of the bugs sucking out the brains and this, um, for lack of a better word, this, uh, vagina monster that he sticks on them at the end, which is so clearly what it, what is he's trying to show there. I mean, it's not like, Oh, that sort of looks like, yeah. I mean, that's what Paul Verhoeven's doing there. It looks like a big spite vaginal spider. Yeah. Agreed. I think, well, yeah. So, so you, they introduced the concept of the brain bug, like, uh, and that's, a, you know, a bug that they can actually learn something from. Cause in theory it's, one of the bugs who thinks maybe, and they can learn what the bugs want or uh-huh. whatever and how to beat them, you know? Um, and, and the bugs are obviously doing the same thing with their brain bugs that suck out people's brains. You know, they say they're learning from us and that's how the, uh, um, the roughnecks were, were ambushed at that, that base uh, or whatever, because Rico's roughnecks, Rico's rough. <laughs> well, he wasn't Rico's roughnecks at this point just yet, oh, that's true. but yes, Rico's roughnecks. They heard this distress call and it turns out, uh, they get there and one of the guys had his brain sucked out Yeah, and, um, and they realized that this was a trap that the right. bugs laid for them. Right. And they were all coming back and that's when you get, you know, uh, Denise Richards, of course, you know, they're going to reunite. That's when she has to come back with her amazing pilot skills and save the day. <laughs> yeah. I hope you got a pilot who's as crazy. You know, he says like, you'd have to be crazy to fly in there. And he says, hope you got a crazy pilot. And of course it's Denise Richards showing up. <laughs> Yeah, and then they had the the lady from Seinfeld uh, that was chopped in half by a, a door <laughs> at one point. That yeah. was great. She was sort of yeah. the lead the lead captain on the uh, on the pilot ship or whatever. Yeah, that was pretty yeah, fun too. It, I agree. <laughs> I don't uh, have anything to add on that thought, but yeah. And then the uh, you know the end is great because you know Neil Patrick Harris is going to come back into the fold. He's reunited with his friends in in what looks like full Nazi Gestapo. Um, uniform 
yeah, no accident. If, if the if the satire wasn't obvious by then, it's definitely obvious when he shows up in the the SS uniform. Yeah, full uh, full SS, and he uh, he goes and he feels the uh, the brain monster who was just apparently now subdued with some simple rope, no big deal, just a big rope net, and he and he goes, "It's afraid, it's afraid," <laughs> and that's the big moment of the movie, and I think such the statement um, from Verhoeven, which is like, it's almost like you want to subjugate your enemy rather than just kill them. You want to make them afraid of you and of your war machine. Yeah. The fact that the movie, the movie presents that moment as like the ultimate triumph. Like as soon as he yells, it's afraid everyone starts cheering Uh because it, it, it means the enemy is scared of them. And yeah, it's this, it's this bizarre moment where you'd think like, again, let's say this wasn't a a big nasty looking bug. Let's say this was just a, another human from a different country that looked different from you. Yeah. In a different movie, if you'd say, Oh, this person's afraid, it would be that moment of like empathy and identification. Totally. This, this is another living being that feels things and is, is feeling, you know, scared and vulnerable right now. But Uh in this world, (laughs) It's the ultimate triumph to make them afraid. Like you said, it's not just enough to defeat them. Yeah, you it's like to... we own them now because they're scared of us. Uh, and they they have no future against us because we own them. It's so funny. exactly, So great. I'm glad we picked this movie, Paul. Me too. <laughs> I want to, I wanna, um, before we go here, I want to throw a quote out to you. Um, this right. is a quote from, or it's a quote attributed to Francois Truffaut. And he said... Uh, there's no such thing as an anti-war film. What do you now? What What do you think when you hear that idea? I think I disagree. Mm-hmm. I mean, is his point that in making an anti-war film, it's inherently pro-war because it glorifies it a little bit? Yeah, I agree. That's his point. It's like no matter how anti-war you try to make your film. By depicting war, it's inherently uh, showing it in a positive light. And I do agree with you that there are examples of anti-war films that truly are anti-war. But I think he makes a really good point that any t- almost any time you depict combat, unless you depict combat as like either just really boring uh-huh. or just like an absolute slaughter, like you're going to make war look cool. Like think about Saving Private Ryan where it's like, right. yeah, war is hell and all this stuff. But it's like... You come out of that movie yeah. being like, oh man, like I want to, I want to join up and serve for the right cause, you know? Yeah. It's also cause saving private Ryan, it's like, it's brutal, but it's also brotherhood. And it's also like these friendships and admiring this captain who was a teacher. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could argue that there are a few war movies that were pretty brutal war as hell. And that was sort of the only message, but I, I get where he's coming from. Yeah. I could buy that. Yeah, I, I, and it's an interesting thought exercise when you apply it to this movie. And I would actually argue that Starship Troopers is a true anti-war film because it, it, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't overtly critique it, you know, it doesn't try to slap you on the wrist and say, look at how bad war is. Instead, it sort of shows you like, this is the movie that society would make about itself. Like, this is how that society sees itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, uh, there's a quote from Verhoeven, which I think gets to the heart of this. Um, I've been quoting him a lot here, but um, 
and as we mentioned, he grew up in um, Nazi-occupied Netherlands. And uh, Michael Ironside at one point asked him, so why are you doing this right-wing fascist movie? And Verhoeven said, if I tell the world that a right-wing fascist way of doing things doesn't work, no one will listen to me. So I'm going to make a perfect fascist world. Everyone is beautiful. Everything is shiny. Everything has big guns and fancy ships, but it's only good for killing fucking bugs. That's great. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a good way to end. You good? Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got to cover this and, um, yeah, I hope people who, you know, like you said, the Facebook comments were really positive about it. So I'm excited to hear what people think about the episode, but if you haven't revisited (laughs) it or watched it at all, check it out and, and I'm curious to hear what you think. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Uh, a lot of people have Netflix, so check out Starship. In the USA. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't know if uh, it's streaming in Netflix abroad, but... Like in the Netherlands, perhaps? Perhaps, yeah. Uh, well, thanks for joining me, buddy, and I look forward to another one soon. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to do this. All right, go watch Starship Troopers, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Movie Crush is produced, edited, and engineered by Ramsey Yunt here in our home studio at Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia, for iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.